We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The dark web can be like a restaurant for identity thieves. Hi, ready to order? I'll have the driver's license number. Great, that comes with a home address or a birth date. Ooh, both, please. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year at LifeLock.com aware. Identity theft protection starts here. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Happy Wednesday. Happy week three. What's going on? It's time for the World of World Roto Grinders DFS Pick 6. We're going to get to our new man here in just a second. But first, we're going to start off with John Daigle, who is now the, uh, I mean, suddenly you're the old guy on the show, aren't you? Well, I am the old guy, or was the old guy. But it turns out we have a very special friend and guest. So uh, I am not only not the oldest anymore, I have the fewest kids on the show. That is true. Uh, I mean, to be fair, though, because our special guest is here, every, no matter who's here, they're going to have the fewest kids. Because, you know, Rich Rebar, uh, he has like 17 kids. Rich Rebar joining us for week three. Look at Rich coming in here. He looks like he's coming straight from the Amish community. What's up, Reeves? How are we doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing real good. You know, it was Monday. I was at home. Uh, it was late at night. I looked out the window. I saw the Zach Morris avatar in the sky. The red phone on my desk rang, and it was Dan back. Dan said, Reeves, you know, I can't get Rod Woodson. I can't get Charles Woodson. I can't get any other of the Woodsons, but I need someone that's familiar with the pick six to come in and tag in and come back. And I said, Dan, let me throw on my Enrique Iglesias Enrique album. And if you guys aren't familiar with the Enrique album, that was his fourth studio album, his first U.S. album. And I threw on track 10. And track 10 just happens to be a little song called Bailamos which translates to let's dance. <laughs> so I let the rhythm take me over and I told Dan, I'll be back. You know, I'm coming now from sharp football though. Yep. So, I mean, but it's good to be back. So I do that. You'll get a little quick plug in for sharp football. If you guys aren't familiar that and can't find the worksheet, I get tweets. Where's the worksheet? You Dude, know, how, many, wait, hold, how many of those <laughs> tweets do you get a week? A, a few, at least s- several still, you know, I'm sure Evan gets several. the same too. Uh, you know, looking for matchups, but, uh, you know, you can find it at Sharp Football Analysis. And part of me coming on is that we're allowing, you know, Roto Grinders, a, a little promo here for you guys at Roto Grinders. So if you go over Sharp Football Analysis and you put in Sharp 25, you can get 25% off any of the subs you desire, whether it be the fantasy package to get the worksheet, the prop betting package, the Warren's betting picks, or all the above, you know, you can catch yourself a little discount there. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to be back with you guys. Yeah, man. That's awesome. I love what you guys are doing over at sharp football. Uh, one of the, I, I use, I think three different sites and that's one of them. So, uh, yeah, much appreciate. I'm glad you could come on, man. It's really good to see your face before we get into the games. I got to ask what the hell is that beard? You know, uh, I, I'm trying to make it a, a year. So I just want to see what's going on. I mean, wait, I wait, hold on. You've been growing that for a year. No, no. Uh, since March. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm just want to see if I can make it a year, you know, us uh, folks that live from home and have no, you know, outside connection to the real life, you know, uh, I figured why not? I just do it to yeah. compensate. I don't, I don't try to Dude, do that's it. That's how I am, man. You know, like us fat boys, we got to have the beard. Otherwise it just looks like you have like seven faces on. It's not good. 
I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, you guys just have beards because you feel like it. Reeves, I don't know how you're going to do a year. I did the uh, Stanley Cup playoff beard. The playoffs lasted about two and a half months because my Blues won the final. And it was awful. Like, I'm just swimming around like, you know, like I'm a meth addict or something, just scratching everything. It was rough, man. So props to you for rocking the beard. So let's go ahead and jump into the games. Of course, we got three games, three topics. We're going to talk first game, and it is the one game that everybody's going to be watching. It's the Ravens. At the Chiefs, it's a total of 53, the Chiefs seven-point favorites. And, Reeves, I'm going to start with you, man. Let's talk about this Baltimore offense because we saw Lamar Jackson last season as a guy who everybody said, well, he can't throw the ball, he's just a running back playing quarterback, to a dude now who's just straight up lighting it up every time he's out there. So talk to us about this Ravens offense, Rich. Yeah, I mean, he's just had a great start to a great slate of games to open, and he gets another one here, you know, against the Chiefs defense. I mean, if there's one place none of us want Jalen Ramsey to get traded to, it's the Chiefs. We don't want to ruin this, this you know, golden goose of teams going back and forth on scoreboard against each other, although we didn't get it last week. Uh, but, you know, I think when they lost that playoff game last year to the Chargers, and it was a team that they faced for the second time, it was the only team that they faced twice with Lamar Jackson as a starter. And the way the Chargers were able to recalibrate, you know, kind of stop their offense, I think that they went into this offseason – really focused on being able to, you know, use Lamar Jackson in all capacities of, you know, running an offense. And he was a guy that got better as a passer all four years at Louisville as well. So, I mean, there was, should have been, you know, at least an inkling that, you know, he, he still could improve. And then they went out this offseason and just acquired a ton of offensive speed, you know, around him. Uh, so, I mean, you know, they, they were really running like a, you know, a fun offense that's catered to him. And like I said, they did face the Dolphins and the Cardinals. So, I mean, not, not much resistance has put up. Uh, we hope that we don't get that here. Now, these two teams did play last year in his fourth career start. He only completed 13 passes in that game, but he still had 19 fantasy points. So we know that, uh, you know, there's more of a ceiling here based on what we saw from uh, him the, these first two games and him being able to get over that, you know, 250 passing yardage mark. Uh, you know, and he already has more passing touchdowns than he did off last year when he was the starter in the regular season. So, I mean, it, I think it's a situation where we keep riding Lamar. I think the, the dynamics of this game are interesting is because since Lamar took over last year, you know, from that point on last year, they just dominated the opposition in plays per game. And that's how it started so far this year. You even look at it when they played Arizona last week. Arizona in week one ran 67 plays in regulation against the Lions. They only ran 54 last week against the Ravens. Uh, the only game that the uh, Ravens under Lamar Jackson haven't run more plays than their opponent so far is when they played the Chiefs last year, and the Chiefs ran 73 plays against them. So it's going to be really interesting to see if the Chiefs can really kind of get up on them and, you know, control script and, you know, really, you know, utilize their offense like they did last year. Against Mahomes threw for 380 in that game. They threw nine passes, uh, nine completions to running backs in that game. Kelsey got off. Uh, he doesn't have Tyreek Hill at 14 targets in that game. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if Baltimore can really play their style of just dominating plays on a team that, one, doesn't need a lot of plays to score, uh, and two was able to get over on them last year in the same situation. Yeah, you know, good. That is what the show was missing. That five-minute monologue with just stats rolling off like the Jericho script meme. Like, he was just going. Like, that's what the show needed right there. With how my voice is, I'm just glad I didn't have to talk for a few minutes. That was really pretty amazing. So, you know, John, when we, you know, like Reeves was saying, this is really just kind of, I don't want to say a can't-miss spot because, again, this Ravens offense has had a couple cupcakes to start the year, but we look at Lamar Jackson and the way this game script could be going, he should have to be airing it out here, John. I, I don't know about you, but at DFS, I'm going to have a tough time playing anybody but these two quarterbacks. And it's tough to fade this game overall, even if you wanted to. Not only the pace of play that works out for both offenses, but the Ravens have to keep up, and the Chiefs, not that we're worried about any defensive match for them whatsoever this season, as long as Patrick Mahomes is under center. But this game opened at 51, got bet up to 55 and a half, has since trailed down to whatever book you look at, 53 or 52 and a half. And I think the Ravens' defense is still getting too much credit. Uh, I did say, or we were confident Arizona was going to be able to move the ball. I didn't think they'd cover actually, but I didn't think they'd struggle in having offensive production and they didn't because we are still looking at last year's Ravens defensive stats. But you take a look at their offseason, they lost CJ Mosley, Darius Smith, uh, Eric Weddle, Terrell Suggs. They added Earl Thomas, which does matter, especially in this game where the Chiefs try to go over the top a lot, but it's still a weaker defense, especially in the front seven. So it's one that matches up Basically, everyone on the Chiefs can have production, especially if we get uh, uh, Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy hobbled, even if they play. If they come out hobbled, like you can sneak value in there on the back end between Darwin Thompson as well. 
Yeah, you know, one of the guys you didn't even mention with the Ravens, Jimmy Smith out with an injury. And we've seen this for years with Baltimore. If Jimmy Smith is out, other teams are going to have success for the year, especially on the outside. You mentioned Sammy Watkins and Nicole Hardman. Those are my two favorite plays on the whole slate. And, you know, Reed, let's talk about these other Chief guys, because obviously Patrick Mahomes, he's the premier quarterback play on the slate. I don't think, anybody, you know, anybody would argue with that. I like Watkins. I like Hardman, Kelsey. I don't really have anybody I don't like on this Chiefs team. What about you? Yeah, pretty similar. I think the the running back situation is just kind of up in air just based on we don't know what's going to happen towards the end of the week, you know, with us doing the show on Wednesday and neither, you know, Damian Williams nor Sean McCoy practicing yet. We're going to have to wait and see kind of how that shakes out. But I mean, yeah, John kind of touched upon it and you brought echoed it with Jimmy Smith being out. And so far, they've given up a lot of splash plays in the passing game. 25% of the completions allowed by the Ravens so far have gone for 20 more yards through two weeks. That's only ahead of the Bengals and the Raiders. Uh, one, we know a team's going to stack 20-yard completions, and that's the Chiefs, uh, you know, through through Watkins, Kelsey, you know, and then Hardman and DeMarcus Robinson. I mean, we talk, there's just speed on both sides of the field in this game, just big vertical targets. It's what we like. I mean, both these teams are first and second in touchdowns from outside of the red zone to start the season. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Watkins had kind of the letdown last week. You know, uh, you know, efficiency regression kind of set in real quick for him, uh, but he still led the team once again with 13 targets, which was 30%, second on the team in air yards. Uh, last week, you know, McCole Hardman had a 72-yard touchdown call back in that game. He could have had a second one. Demarcus Robinson actually was the guy who popped last week. Their routes run were about even. So, I mean, those guys are all going to be on the field. I think with the running backs being out, it just kind of funnels you to the receivers as as having more ownership because we, we don't know how we're going to handle this with the running backs yet. Um, and like I said, last year they used the running backs heavily in the passing game again, in this Ravens matchup. So, I mean, we'd like to get some clarity on that as the week progresses. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much, you know, all, all thumbs up for, I think, both sides of the ball here. All the guys we've been playing so far through two weeks. Yeah, and, you know, one of those big play guys on the other side, obviously, Marquise Brown. He's priced at 5.9K this week. John, I have a feeling that people are still going to be shy about paying that price tag for Marquise Brown. And I'm convinced that. Here in a few weeks, he's going to be 6,500 or 7K because that's the guy continues. He's going to continue to have big plays. Who's going to continue to see targets, 13 targets last week. And at this price tag in this game script, I love Marquis Brown this week. And if he's going to be lower on John, I love him even more. He leads the Ravens in target share despite only playing around 40-50% of their offensive snaps. Like this is a game now that basically requires him to play all of it and he'll have a great matchup in the slot against Kendall Fuller. Um and it's just they have nowhere else to go really besides uh in the slot with Marquise Brown and then Mark Andrews who as we know is also probably going to blow up in this game. Like Miles Boykin is a great contrarian option, but Miles Boykin is still obviously developing. And he's also playing a limited number of snaps as they work him into the season as he develops as a rookie. So it's kind of one, like, I don't want to say you have to fade him, but it's the clear cut option, even for cash games. If you're looking for a receiver that's going to undoubtedly blow up in this one, it's Marquise Brown. You know, and you mentioned Michael Miles Boyk, and I like him as a very sneaky option. Only 3K. If he was priced more, I wouldn't really have that much interest. But in 3K, that's all the upside in the world. Uh, Reeves, we haven't really talked much about the Baltimore running side. Mark Ingram, any interest there? I mean, uh, I think tournament only. Mark Ingram's just a guy I don't like to play in cash games because he's I don't like to play running backs that don't catch the football. But, I mean, he's also one of those guys that can also get you multiple touchdowns in a given game. Uh, and, you know, with the success of Baltimore, Baltimore's running backs since Lamar has taken over, you know, it's pretty well documented. And, you know, um, the Chiefs are allowing just a little under six yards per carry to opposing running backs so far uh, to start the year. Uh, but, yeah, kind of just a tournament-only guy because of the lack of pass catching. And both him and Justice Hill are on the bottom of the league in targets per route run uh, rate so far to start the season because, I mean, listen, man, Lamar's just boogie. If he's, he ain't going to check it down. It's not really the, the MO. So, I mean, uh, uh, tournament only there for old uh, Mark Ingram, too. How did you not throw up the phrase Konami code when discussing this game? I mean, it, it speaks for itself. Lamar is just kind of broken the Konami code. It used to exist as this thing for like Tim Tebow when it started. And uh, Terrell Pryor was the guy I originally wrote the original article on. Um, just, you know, but about these bad quarterbacks where it used to be, you know, kind of your old, you know, in your father-in-law's league. I, I'm not playing that guy. He's a sucky quarterback. And, you know, you say, well, it doesn't matter. He's getting these weighted, you know, scoring opportunities for fantasy. And that's how it all started. But Lamar is kind of just broke the mold. I mean, Lamar had more rushing yards in college than Saquon Barkley. He's just a unique entity. We haven't had something like him 
really since Michael Vick, and he might be even like a step above Michael Vick. Yeah, Michael Vick is the comp for him, and it's um, it's a lot of fun to watch. This is the game where this is much watch must watch for me. I wish this game was in the late afternoon because I want fewer other games on going on going on so I can focus on this one. Either way, though, this might be one of those two screen days where you have like. One game focused on the Ravens-Chiefs game. The other game focused on red zone. Just enjoying yourself. All right, let's talk Panthers at Cardinals. 44-and-a-half. Arizona, two-and-a-half point favorites at home. And, John, this is one of those games where I don't think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to. Right now, we don't know if it's going to be Cam Newton or Kyle Allen. I'm I'm preparing as if it's going to be Kyle Allen because it does not look like Cam is going to be anywhere near the field or my fantasy teams. But when I look at this game, I see two teams that are – two of the highest paced teams in all of football. We, I saw a stat, I forget who tweeted it out, but the Cardinals are running no huddle, something like 56 or 58% of the time, something just crazy. So let's talk about this Panther side first, because obviously everything revolves around Christian McCaffrey. Are we willing to play any of these receivers with him, or is it just McCaffrey for you? I believe it was pro football focus is Scott Barrett that mentioned that the Cardinals are running, uh, what, 28 seconds in between a play, which is the fastest, which also lends itself to why they've allowed the most opponent plays per game each game so far, which is great for the Panthers. And now you ask, who does Kyle Allen go to? And again, with a shallower A dot, although DJ Moore has the highest target share coming from Cam Newton, we replace him. I think Curtis Samuel is still not only the safest way to go, but a high ceiling option. Um, he still trails in what his production should be in air yards, uh, trailing in fantasy points, that is. So he still has meat on the bone to attack. Um, Christian McCaffrey is obviously the best option, and he's still essentially their number one receiver. But uh, if you told me to pick one, it goes in order. He's not a receiver, but it probably goes in order. Greg Olson, and then Curtis Samuel, and then DJ Moore. Okay, so Reeves, obviously we like all these guys. Curtis Samuel was a huge chalk in week one. I didn't exactly understand it. And I feel like in this matchup, he's going to be pretty well ignored. I don't expect him to be you know, much higher than 7 or 8%. Are you on Samuel, Moore, McCaffrey? What are you doing with this Panthers side, Reeves? Listen, Kyle Allen cash week is about to happen. Oh, God. It's, it's definitely happening. 4K, 4K and DK. Kick off the show with you. This is it. I mean, listen, Kyle Allen, start, he started a game last year. It was, granted, it was week 17, but he was the QB7 that week. He had two passing touchdowns. He gave you that Konami juice. He ran for 40 yards and a touchdown in that game. We saw him. He targeted DJ Moore eight times in that game that they played. Uh, you know, and he targeted Kerr Samuel four times. You know, Greg Olson didn't play, but obviously Greg Olson's in a great objective spot with the way Arizona's guarded tight ends to start the year, or lack of guarding tight ends, you know, giving up a probably the best game TJ Hawkinson will have all season, and Andrews lit them up for 100 yards uh, last week. Uh, but, I mean, all these guys have been good. You know, DJ Moore has now had – he's got double-digit targets in both games so far of the year. Now it's with Cam, but he's got seven or more targets now in eight of his past nine games played. He is like their lead wide receiver one. Uh, Curtis Samuel had 13 targets last week, and he's the you know the air yards guy, the, the bounce back variance type guy. It's your tournament guy. He's also a guy I haven't been on so far either. Week one, he was a complete fade for me uh, with you. And then McCaffrey, the only game McCaffrey's played in his career so far without Cam Newton, because full game wasn't the Kyle Allen game because he only played 10 snaps. Uh, he had a career high. 33 touches in that game with Tyler Haneke starting. So, I mean, they could really get off and just ride, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you know, McCaffrey had that short week where he came off 29 touches to start the season, really let us down on that Thursday night. If you know, if you played him in that Thursday through Sunday slate, or you ran him in captain and the showdowns, uh, you know, you really got a letdown spot, but he's got a long week, long layoff now might get a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, probably probably is going to be back to that, you know, full juice. He still played hundred percent of the snaps in that Thursday game too, for the second week in a row. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more excited if Cam Newton doesn't play in this game because one cam is clearly hurt and he's not a guy that can be effective uh, for fantasy football while he has to rely solely on his arm. He's just been like that his whole career. He had one season where he had a magical passing season and that was an outlier for his career. We need him to be able to use his legs in fantasy football. It makes the offense better. It makes him his own stats better. Uh, so, I mean, if he's not fully healthy, I just want Kyle Allen to play this week instead of him. It's funny because you talk about Kyle Allen cash. Have you built any Kyle Allen teams? Anybody? I haven't, but I bet they're they're better. Oh, they look so pretty. Oh, those Kyle Allen teams, man. Like I was on, uh, I was doing the EXIF show earlier today, and we were talking about. I'm like, oh no, I can play this guy and that guy. Oh, this is fun. He's playing the Cardinals. The Cardinals are the tide that lifts all ships. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So we obviously we like Christian McCaffrey. I don't hate Kyle Allen cash. We've got a, uh, we even have Britt Devine in the chat saying Kyle Allen cash week is 100% happening. I don't blame you guys. On the other side, we've got the guy who's the top overall pick. Uh, Kyler Murray's gets a Panthers defense that not great, not bad. Um, David Johnson's a guy that did well in week one, didn't do great in week two. Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk's keep seeing just a ton, a ton of targets. Dega, where are you looking on this Cardinal side? Oh, for the Cardinals, you can go in a lot of places, especially receivers. They continue to run 10 personnel, putting out four receivers. But for some odd reason, it is not even with Michael Crabtree active. It wasn't um, Keyshawn Johnson that stuck on the field in three wide sets. It's actually Demir Bird, who's a a Gusherian option now with Kyler Murray under center. So it goes Larry Fitzgerald, uh, your Christian Kirk, and your Demir Bird. And you can go to any of them especially if they, once again, continue using four wide, four wide receiver sets. And then uh, obviously David Johnson, uh, the numbers don't show it from last week because he did exit for a few series with a wrist injury, but he was already full practice on Wednesday. He's going to be 100% for this one. So he's also a contrarian option given the fact that he's not lived up to par thus far, despite being their obviously number one back. Yeah, when you look at a guy like David Johnson, I mean, he's priced at 6.8K. If people are paying up, they're going to do it for Dalvin. They're going to do it for Zeke. They're going to do it for, I mean, a number of other guys. Like, the high-priced running backs are in phenomenal spots this week. So, Reeves, what do you think about this Arizona team? Are you looking at David Johnson? Are you playing one of these receivers? You mentioned Demir Bird, seven targets last week and each of the last two weeks. So, where are you going with Arizona, Reeves? Yeah, and remember, Demir Bird has history on this show. Uh, and he also is in the revenge game spot. So, I mean, we've got double, double, you know, uh, love for Demir Bird. Yeah, it was actually Keyshawn Johnson that shared, split time with Michael Crabtree last week. So it looks like Demir Bird's role is kind of safe, you know, to start the year. Uh, but yeah, it's, we know we're just looking at the passing game. I mean, they're, they're just sitting back and winging it. I mean, this is what, this is what we hope to see. And this is what we got for Kyler Murray. He still has been serviceable for fantasy. He's been a QB 11 and QB 13 to start the year in both games. Uh, and that's with no rushing yards, just 17 rushing yards. And it really looks like they're making a concentrated effort, yes. not really to run him. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think you can count on that, you know, to be something that happens. But just for a guy that has this many passing yards, for him to only have two passing touchdowns so far, is just completely run on the wrong side of variance. I mean, he's averaging a touchdown pass now once every 330 passing yards to start the year. That's the lowest rate for anyone with a touchdown pass. So you still have a couple quarterbacks trying to catch up pouring out from Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, but, you know, so Kyler still has a ceiling that he, he's got a gear we haven't gotten to yet uh, oh, for, yeah. for, for all the yards he's gotten. So, I mean, so, I mean, he's still in play. We saw the quick, we saw the quick reversion to the mean for Christian Kirk from week one to week two. That's something on the board. And then listen, man, the, the vintage wine of Larry Fitzgerald back-to-back hundred yard games for the first time since 2015, he's getting shot plays. No, this is not the Larry Fitzgerald of the past four years that has been running around and has been the Jason Witten of wide receivers. He's got an 11.4 yard a dot. He's tied with John Ross for the league lead and catches of 30 or more yards. Uh, we're, we're seeing a, 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 an old, you know, an old school Larry Fitzgerald vertical type guy, and he's still got the ball skills. Um, so, I mean, he, he was really cheap last week and I had a lot of good exposure to him on DK with full PPR, wish I'd play a little more on FanDuel. Um, but uh, yeah, and he's still underpriced for the type of value. He's getting, he leads the NFL in route, route run. Routes run, and actually this game features the top five wide receivers in routes run in it. You know, you mentioned Fitz uh, kind of being the fine wine. Just so you guys know, before Reeves moved to Sharp Football, he did not talk about fine wines or anything. He is he has moved on to more refined taste. That's it's all grown up now. Yeah, he's all. I mean, that's unbelievable. But you know, Fitz is one of these guys, Dagle, that I just missed on. You know, I have no shares in season long. I have no shares in best ball. I tend not to want guys that are older than I am, especially a lot older than I am. But here we are with Larry Fitzgerald at only five point one k. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I like this game so much is that. These guys are all reasonably priced. You know, we talk about Kyle Allen being cheap. You don't necessarily have to play him because Fitz is 5-1 over on DK, Kirk 5K, Samuel 4 DJ Moore 5-9. These guys are all just too cheap for the pace that this game's going to be played at. And it makes sense if you run Kyle Allen Cash Week as well because that's your response. That's how you run the game back in a game stack. And it's not even hoping for a game stack. It is going to be back and forth because neither team can stop the other. Uh, there are just, as we've talked about, there are so many options in this game and you want a piece of it. It doesn't help that both Fitzgerald and Kirk are $100 within one another. But as you said, you can go either and be just fine. 
All right, let's talk about the Falcons at the Colts. And this game has a total of 47. The Colts, one and a half point favorites at home. And Reeves, when I look at this game, I can't help but shake the feeling that despite Atlanta having that huge win last week, that this game is going to be overlooked. Let's talk about the Colts side. And I'm always on team, always Julio. Every week, he's one of my highest owned receivers. Nothing's going to change this week. Are you on Julio? Are you on Matt Ryan? Are you, are you, uh, you know, sampling some Calvin Ridley? What are you doing with this Falcons offense, Reeves? This is interesting, man. I want to. I saw this one on the show sheet, and I'm real curious to get the take. I mean, this game is kind of interesting to me on a lot of levels, just because I mean, it doesn't it doesn't pop to me. So I want to see where you guys take it, uh, because for a couple of reasons. One is I looked at the Colts side. And I just look how the Colts have played these two games, and I hate it. I hate how they've played these two games for fantasy football. They've they've really slowed down the pace that they were at from last year. They've asked Jacoby Brissett to kind of just be like a bus driver. Um, he's kind of just, you know, he's, he's living off of these fantasy touchdowns. 61% of his fantasy points are off touchdowns so far. Highest rate in the league, but he's 27th in yards. Uh, you know, on passing attempts per game, and he's 31st in yards for passing him at 6.1. They've turned T.Y. Hilton into like this – just like tertiary intermediate target. Now he's got three touchdowns, which is kind of hiding the fact that that's going on, but he's got his lowest eight out of his career by far, just 9.2 yards. He's only averaging 10.8 yards per reception by far, which would be a career low if he, if he had it, but you know, he's still getting pumped with value 27% of the team targets, which is, you know, 11th for all wide receivers. So, I mean, uh, th- then they're just, and they're just grinding and using their offensive line. Uh, you know, Mauro Max over 20 carries in both of these opening games. And they're really running the football well, and they're probably going to run it well on this Atlanta defense, who the one time they traveled this season got steamrolled on the ground by the Vikings, who aren't, are nearly in the realm of capability as the offensive line as the Colts are. So I really worry about the Colts being able to slow this game down, being able to run the ball effectively, being able to keep continuing to do the same things they've done so far these two weeks, which is just have Jacoby Brissett just kind of move the sticks. And, you know, not really asking to do a lot. I want fun T.Y. Hilton back. I want T.Y. Hilton running past guys down the field. I want bombs. Um, and we I haven't gotten that so far. I don't know if we're going to get fun T.Y. Hilton, man. He's been taken over by Larry Fitzgerald. Like, fun T.Y. just uh, he's just not They swapped. Anything. Yeah, they, they oh. did the 30 for 30. Yeah, <laughs> this is not fun. I, I do not like being Larry, Larry Fitzgerald morphing into T.Y. Hilton. I'm not comfortable with that at all. Dago, what do you think about this game? Honestly, to me, there were only two options, and that's the safe option, which is Marlon Mack. I know he was seen on Wednesday carrying around a, a walking boot. Yes, carrying around a walking boot, not in it, in the locker room. And he did miss practice Wednesday, so we'll find out as the week goes on. But assuming he gets in at least one full session by Sunday, uh, we know Atlanta how prone they are to being tagged by running backs, still allowing a top three rate of fantasy points to running backs through the passing game. And Naheem Hines has tripled Marlon Mack in targets 6-2 to two this season, but Marlon Mack has actually ran 38 routes to Naheem Hines' 19. He's he's the passing down back as he was being used last year quietly. So that's the guy that I actually think is safe for this matchup, especially given the concerns we have about pace. But the other option, and you're going to need to get ready to vomit on this one, and it's only tournament play, and he's looked terrible, but boy, like if he's going to do it, it's Devontae Freeman week. If he's going to do it. He's, he's not getting just over a yard after contact was the, which is the equivalent of getting hit and then falling down and stretching the ball out. But the Colts are still 30th in DVOA against the running back. And he's still getting over half their touches, a majority of their running back snaps. It's not pretty. It sucks. It's going to hurt, but that's the tournament option in this one. I mean, one of the reasons he's a tournament option, look at this price tag, 4.9K over yes. on DraftKings. I, I get it. Reeves, you're shaking your head. And the fact that you guys are both touting Devontae Freeman makes me want to cancel this show immediately. 4.9, that's what I tout. That's a, hey, tournaments, that's it. Oh, God. Reeves, talk to me about Devontae Freeman, or talk to me not about Devontae Freeman. I'm fine <laughs> with that, too. You know, as the summer of Devontae Freeman's running back value was going on, you know, in drafts this summer, I remember talking to JJ Zacharyson, uh, hashtag humble brag about that. And we talked about his open, you know, his opening schedule and, and how just disgusting it was and how he was going to be a guy that was really going to slow, start slow. And it has, and it has happened. It's played out exactly like that. Now you would like to see more from a guy that is supposed to be a locked in RB2 to have more than 95 yards and 25 touches through two weeks, even in tough matchups. You need more 
that's the scary part. Like we could have been living with some 40 to 50 yard games. This is, this is gross what we've gotten so far. Um, but John hit on, I mean, it's by far the best matchups he's had out of the first three games. Um, Colts are 25th in rushing points allowed to running backs or 30th in receiving points allowed. We know that this team going back to last year is a team that limits big plays because of the type of Matt Everfliss zone defense they play. And they really limit wide receiver ones. It's kind of just been their MO. They've only allowed 400 yard receiving games since the start of last season. Just two of those came to wide receiver one options. It's really just kind of been their MO. I mean, that's not something to say fade Julio and run away from Julio. It's just something that's continuously gone on. They've shut down big plays in the receiving game. Uh, So, I mean, it really lines up for like, you know, either Devontae Freeman to finally step up and be involved or, these tertiary targets like Austin Hooper to do Austin Hooper things, uh, which is, you know, basically like guys nine yards to catch. Forward, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get nine yards to catch. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. It's a real world week. I think, I think Matt Ryan plays well. He's thrown multiple touchdowns down six games going back to last season. I think he'll still get his uh, just on the Falcons side of the ball. It might be more of a sum of all parts thing where you just play Matt Ryan uh, on that side. But I do think Freeman at the price tag and given what the two matchups he had, um, is more of a, is a tournament play and, you know, kind of go back to the wealth type play. But, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks. That offensive line clearly is not what we thought uh, in terms of upgrade we have. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some of the new quarterbacks that are starting this week. We could have as many as five different guys making, uh, you know, replacement starts for their quarterback. Of course, we've already talked about Kyle Allen likely filling in for Cam Newton. We've got Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes. He's going to be starting for the Giants. Luke Falk against the Jets. I didn't know there was a person named Luke Falk. That was really cool to learn last week. Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to be starting for the Saints, although they've already come out and said that they're going to use two quarterbacks because thanks, Sean Payton. And then Mason Rudolph starting for the uh, Steelers. So, John, I'm going to start with you. What quarterback are you looking most forward to watching in this group? I don't think, I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm intrigued the most by the Steelers. This is a team that just swapped their first round pick this year, despite being 0-2 right now, because they have that much confidence in Mason Rudolph. And now we know he's going to likely, we don't know, but we're assuming that after that Moncrief drop, that was basically a reception for the other team. Which one? He, he shoved it into the defender's hand for a pick, just shoved it for an interception. Uh, so we assume James Washington, who is obviously, as we know, Rudolph's college teammate at Oklahoma State, will also be in three wide sets there for the Steelers. So I think it's business as usual for the Steelers going in. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I only, well, he's been average. I do think Sean Payton can create something with him, but also I think we're going to see more Taysom Hill than we believe we're going to see. And then, uh, as you said, Danny Dimes, it's really just comes down to Sterling Shepard and Cody Latimer's availability for me because that might put them in a situation where even if they don't want to, they have to let Jones throw a lot, which despite it being the Bucks' terrible defense, that could be bad news for a rookie's first start. Yeah, and I I look at – I'm going to be watching Daniel Jones. I, Reeves, I got to ask you, are you on Team Danny Dimes or are you on Team – are you on Anti-Danny Dimes is the nickname? No, my son is a Giants fan, so uh, oh. you know I immediately ordered him the Danny Dimes shirt that Rotoware dropped today, which was a phenomenal shirt, and they do great work. Uh, now, that, that was a free plug, Rotoware, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's gonna be fun to watch him. I'm real curious because you know this Bucks defense has been good out of the box, but they faced a, an injured Cam Newton and you know a Jimmy Garoppolo in like his first real like live fire, you know, outside of a preseason climate, you know, uh, in over a year. So, I mean, I'm not really full of believe in them in their defensive turnaround yet. Uh, but I am curious because Todd Bowles is going to dial up some pressure for sure. And Danny Dimes was not a guy that handled pressure well in college. You know, he didn't have a lot of playmakers around him either. So, I'm just real curious to see how it is. First start on the road, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach with with uh, Daniel Jones. I'm not going to roll over his preseason where he had really no pressure and roll over those stats. Um, but, I mean, it was it's a move that needed to come early in the season, and it did. Like John said, though, I'm really curious to see how the Steelers operate because this is a team that has a really great offensive line. We're invested in their running back. We're invested heavily in their lead receiver and Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, a lot of people like Vance McDonald, who had two touchdowns from Mason Rudolph in the second half of that game. But more importantly, I think that Mason Rudolph allows the Steelers to do things on offense that they haven't that they wouldn't be able to do with Ben Roethlisberger. 
Ben Roethlisberger was a guy who just lined up and spread shotgun sets, and they ran the same thing on offense every single play. He, he had two play-action passes on 65 dropbacks so far this season, two. Uh, Mason Rudolph used play-action on 30% of his dropbacks in the second half of that game. Uh, the Steelers have just a, a door open now to run a better, a more versatile offense and do things that they weren't going to do. Is it going to be better without Ben Roethlisberger? I'm not saying that Mason Rudolph is, is an option that's going to elevate the offense like Ben Roethlisberger would, but it allows them to at least take something that was broken and not working and do something different and not keep running their heads into the wall like we were getting for six quarters of Steeler football. Um, and that get, injects new life into them. And, of course, you know, we get the, you know, James Washington, you know, OSU connection. And Washington ran 20 pass routes last week. Deontay Johnson kind of settled. They kind of settled in with them three being three wide receivers at the end of that game. We'll see if it rolls over as that they start, you know, long juju. Um because it looked like Deontay Johnson also had worked his way in. But James Washington's only had nine targets all year, and he Here already leads the Steelers. It's already good. leads the Steelers in air yards on nine targets only. 22 yards averaged up the target. I mean, we're, we're talking about money balls. And this is the 49ers defense, too, that I, I'm not ready to fully, you know, inject that I believe in what they, they are. They have been playing so far above their heads, and I understand. I mean, the pass rush is le- has been legit for two weeks, and that's the thing that they needed to improve on. And they've been getting after both quarterbacks. But, again, the Bucks and the Bengals, we need more. The sample's got to grow. Every, every pass rush looks good against the Bucks and the Bengals. Yeah, the sample's got to grow. Andy Dalton. That's all you need to hear. Oh, I, Jameis Winston's about to throw for about a billion yards this week. That's all I know. Uh, you mentioned James Washington. John, are you a believer in the fact that, one, since Dante Moncrief has, you know, skillets for hands, and two, James Washington had a connection with Mason Rudolph in the preseason, are you a believer in James Washington emerging soon? I am. uh, I think he emerges as early as this week. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster actually in all this noise has sort of become the contrarian option, even despite leading the Steelers in their target share and being obviously the the most prepared receiver to break out immediately, not break out or continue his success immediately, no matter who's under center. But yeah, I've toyed with, it's not going to happen, but I've toyed with Kyle Kyle Allen and James Washington cash lineups. And if you want to make some nasty stuff, that's the lineup. But like I said, cash is far Why do you too much. Money even at thirty six hundred, it's far too much. But um, but he's a great, great tournament option. Almost too obvious. Yeah. One thing about Juju too is, uh, you know, we worried about in the preseason. How's Juju going to play? Being the wide receiver, one and Antonio Brown. Juju still run over sixty percent of his routes from the slot in both two in both of the starting two games, which is something we didn't expect based on how he was used in the preseason. All right, let's move on to talk about a team that. Does not have a new quarterback, and at the rate everything's going now, he won't have a new. They won't have a new quarterback for uh, well until I'm dead. Uh, let's talk about the Patriots. Um, look, obviously a massive game last week, forty-three to nothing over the Dolphins. They've given up what three total points all season? Am I saying that right? Yeah, three. No, yeah, three points all season. They are outscoring their opponents seventy-six to three. And meanwhile, last week we had a game where I was on air and I said not only do I not really want to play any of these guys, even if I did, I don't know who it would be. Now, once they had only three running backs healthy, Sony Michelle sort of went to the forefront of the Patriots as far as I was concerned. But last week they put up 43 points and nobody outside of their defense was fantasy relevant. Nobody had more than 83 total yards despite them scoring 43 points. And Reeves, I want to talk to you about what the hell do we do with the Patriots moving forward? Because they're going to put up points. We know that, but there are just so many mouths to feed that I'm struggling to figure out who to play from this offense every single week. You, you play Tom Brady. I mean, you just uh, play Tom Brady, man. Who do, you stay? who do you pair him with? He's 42 years old and has been on fire. I really hate the way this has developed for Tom Brady because I was a full-fade Brady guy all summer. This dude had his worst fantasy season in like 20 years last year. He was losing Gronk rolling in all these new receivers. It looked like they were going to start the you know, first round rookie in the kill Harry, some Jacoby Myers uh, with, with Edelman. It, this is like, you know, this is the year to fade Brady. Finally, he's, he's 42 years old. Then he gets Gordon back. They trade for Antonio Brown and it's full systems go again. You know, it's just, he's lit it up. He's like doing the QB seven, the QB four to start the year through two weeks. Uh, they're facing a Jets team that they've just smoked. You know, they've won 10 consecutive games at home against the Jets. The Jets are starting the guy you just heard of in Luke Falk on Monday night. Um, I'm still Jets not actually, convinced it's a real person. The The Jets are, are in such a bad spot that they have a lower implied team total than the Dolphins this week. That's, that's just unbelievable. Uh, but you talk about the wide receivers, and they played them all last week. The thing is that Antonio Brown, if his role is going to grow, we could have a situation where it was like Marquise Brown week one, where Marquise Brown only ran so many routes, but it was a clear thing where you say, hey, 
They drafted a student in the first round. They brought him in for a package week one, and it's only going to grow. Uh, Antonio Brown only played 24 snaps, um, but he received a touch or a target on 38% of his snaps, which is the highest usage rate of any wide receiver in week two. We know that they signed him five hours after no one said he was going to sign with any team. Uh, and so he's going to play more snaps as we move on, you know, will it be this week or as it goes, but it's going to keep, keep growing. Uh, the jets can't stop anyone. They actually benched their best cornerback in air quotes, you know, Tremaine Johnson last week, uh, you know, Greg Williams is going to have a dude 30 yards off the ball. Like we saw on Odell's, you know, 89 yard touchdown. Uh, so, I mean, there's run after the catch possibilities. Maybe it could be a, a big pop back too for Gordon because Gordon played 57 snaps last week. It just turns out that, uh, you know, Xavier Howard actually can still play a little bit. He's one Dolphins player that still can play a little bit. He, he shadowed Josh Gordon and did a pretty good job on him last week. Uh, you know, that he was kind of the one guy that disappeared. He was on the field for 57 snaps. Um, yeah, like you said, it's tough. It's tough to pick out, you know, one of these guys. I think you just play Brady and you play a pass defense again. Um, if you want to get cute, you can play Sony, but he's just uh, he's just a jack, man. Like Sony's yeah. just a dude. I know, but 21 carries last week, it definitely gives me a little bit of interest. But you talk about these receivers and, you know, who the hell do we play? They had seven different guys between two and four catches. I know you mentioned, Reeves, that Tom Brady is um, the guy that you wish you hadn't faded in preseason. I'm the other way. I wish I hadn't loaded up on Julian Edelman because when Jacoby Myers was the only guy they had to compete for targets, I was pretty, feeling pretty damn good about Julian Edelman. Now he's just – like he's like the you know third and a half option on this team Dago what are you doing with this Patriots team because dude I'm just I'm frustrated by that's why I put him on the show sheet I'm frustrated by this team they could score 40 points and you wouldn't know the difference from any other players uh as Reeves said it's pretty much Brady and their defense and that's about it I think Ian Hart at Saroto World was the first one to tweet this out but Sony Michelle hasn't broken a single tackle all year he's looked terrible we're tied we're tied you're still feeding off of his one run that was negated. It didn't even count. It just got called back in the preseason, but he looked so damn good on it that we're still going back to the well every single week. But what we didn't expect for Sonny Michelle was Rick Burkhead being involved on 35% of their snaps. That's what throws a wrench into everything. Damian Harris doesn't even need to be active for everyone to just sort of have a trickle down effect and have their snaps and touches taken away every single week. Um, and in this game, Yes, Antonio Brown's role will grow, but I don't expect it to be the following week after playing only 24 snaps whenever the Patriots are favored by nearly 22 points. All right, let's move on because I'm already sick of talking about the Patriots. I, my, my kids stayed the night at my uh, mom's house yesterday, and she sent me a picture, and he's decked out in Patriots gear, and I just – I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I know the answer isn't good. All right, let's talk about some of our favorite sneaky game stacks. You know, I think one of the ones we talked about, Panthers or Cardinals, that's one of my favorite under-the-radar wins. Texans-Chargers is another one. Lions and Eagles is a game that I don't think I like, but I think I might like a few pieces here and there. Reeves, what are some of your other favorite sneaky game stacks? Yeah, I mean, you forgot to say why your kids were gone because you were out at the uh, Bush Stadium there, like Bob's Tewksbury on the mound out there. You know, uh, St. Louis Cardinals lore uh, throwing. You got it over the plate too, man. You Dude, got it was, there. I, Get I in talk, there in the air is the key. That's what I. You know, it was funny because I talked to I talked to Matt Smith and I talked to STL Cards. We were both throwing up the first pitch. Uh, cards in St. Louis, Matt Smith down in uh, Tampa, and they both said, "Just don't miss low because if you miss, yep. low, then you're bouncing them in." So <laughs> I got out there and I said, "All right, whatever I do, it ain't gonna hit the damn plate. If I hit somebody in the third row, so be it. But it ain't gonna be." hitting the plate but yeah no it's a good time but yeah he woke up in Patriots gear and basically ruined my night but what are you gonna do man? but uh going back to the stack game so a game I like I think it's gonna float under so we got a game with two really good quarterbacks and it's on the late slate and it's um Chargers Texans hmm. I like this Chargers Texans game a lot and I don't think anyone's really gonna be drawn to it so last week with no Hunter Henry and Mike Williams playing just 64 percent of snaps and that could definitely go up I mean, they just jammed targets to Keenan Allen. And he was a guy who already had 30% of the targets in week one. Uh, he came back and had 42% of the team targets, you know, against Darius Slay. Um, they're going to, you know, he comes back. He's got a way better matchup against this Texans secondary that hasn't really stopped anyone uh, through the air. You know, they allowed DJ Shark, the Sharknado, or, you know, the Baby Shark or whatever the song is that people are talking about. Whatever Wait, oh, you don't know Baby is. Shark? I do know Baby Shark. I have a bunch that of that kids. Way. I know what it is. Uh, but you know, so, so Keenan Allen is stackable in this game on the other side, we know we can always play Hopkins and Watson and, you know, Casey Hayward's a guy also that has not come out the gates 
You know, we talk about these cornerbacks that we typically would try to avoid. Uh, he has not come out the gate strong. We've got the RB1 in this game, and Austin Eckler, who's had over 50 yards rushing and receiving, plus a touchdown in each of the first two games. He's the first back since Brian Westbrook in 2006 to do that. On the flip side, we got some regression candidates, too, and Will Fuller. Will Fuller's ninth in the league in the air yards. He's got a 24-yard air yard. He's going against some guy named Brandon Faison. I don't even know. He's a second-year guy. He ran a 4-5-3 out of Virginia Tech. He, he I was Will- with Luke Falk. Nobody knows who they are. I mean, so Will Fuller's going to be going up against that guy. And Will Fuller is a guy that's playing all the snaps still. It's still him. He's had two down weeks, but he's running as many pass routes as DeAndre Hopkins. It's been QT and Stills kind of splitting that reps since QT came back last week. They kind of split reps together. They each ran 17 pass routes um so i mean i look at will fuller he's stackable in this game uh old, old philip is stackable in this game he's thrown for 333 and 293 to start the season again houston was a team we targeted in the past game last year when you actually faced a real quarterback remember them in indy just faced 10 backup quarterbacks last year uh but they're a team that we could target and then um so i think that you know you we see reversion uh, also back to week one where this game sets up more to be um, the frustrating Houston's backfield sets up to be more of a Duke Johnson game yes. than a, a Carlos Hyde game this week when they flip snaps from week one to week two. It sets up to be more of a Duke Johnson. So we've always targeted pass catching backs against the Chargers, um, and it's going to be more of an up-tempo game. So, I mean, uh, I look at that game, I think it's going to be – it's got pieces we already love, are ranked highly in fantasy football, um, but no one's really going to be drawn towards. Yeah, you mentioned Will Fuller. That's the guy. Every freaking week I play Will Fuller, man. And, you know, three or four weeks out of the year, it goes well, and I think this is going to be one of those weeks. Dagger, are you interested in this game or are you interested in some other games? What do you think here about some sneaky game stacks? Yeah, uh, I'll play devil's advocate and mention one, but quickly I want to hit on Keenan Allen. What makes him so interesting is not just the target share this year, but the fact that he's actually their downfield threat as well. Like this dude had an 8.6 ADOT last year. He's at 13.2 this season with 329 air yards through two games. Like he's not only their number one receiver, but he's being used like John Ross-like. It's quite crazy considering the history of his career in the slot being used shallow and over the middle, probably out of necessity. But uh, another one that I like less than that one, admittedly, but another one is the Steelers 49ers. It has a lot of question marks, but one of the question marks isn't pace. So we need efficiency to happen, which is, again, a question mark with Mason Rudolph's first start happening. But the 49ers offenses look great. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't even had to do much. Like if you watch him, he's just watching the offense open up and just hitting the open guy now. And we have who their number one wideout actually is, George Kittle. His salary just dropped 1200 on DraftKings for no good reason. Like, yes, the production hasn't been there so much so as last year, but he's still George Kittle. Like, it's, al- it's almost, a, not even almost, it is a cash game option if you want to go that route at tight end this week. Um, you just need, like I said, Mason Rudolph to answer back. But that's what makes us sneaky is playing the vari- variables and how volatile it could be. Yeah, you mentioned George Kittle. That's a guy that in season long, I've been annoying everybody because I've just been trying to trade for him. It's by low week. Is yeah. What it is. yeah, it's by low week with him. You know, here, what, I mean, Reeves, I'll just ask you right now, who are some of your by low candidates right now? Um, like you talked about, I mean, Devontae Freeman was a guy on that list, I think just cleared out. I mean, I have a lot more question marks with him. You know, guys like Will Fuller, we talked about. You're just like, looking for those, you know, re- regression spots, those guys that started off, you know, low. I'll tell you who's not a buy low that I kind of stumped for is Joe Mixon. <laughs> He's not a buy low. Um, and he almost had a bunny touchdown, but uh, I so I really thought that you know, when it, I was high on the Bengals offense coming higher than most because I thought Zach Taylor would do what he's done so far, that they would run a ton of 11 personnel, throw the ball a lot. But I thought it would that would be like a by proxy, like make kind of mask their offensive line a little bit. Like they would just run against lighter boxes. And boy, that has not been the truth at all. I he mean, has 27 rushing yards in two games, 27. Uh, and, it, and there's just no light at the end of the tunnel with that run, running game. He's not being used in the passing game. Uh, it's just it's just a thing that uh, I'm I'm ready to say that I was wrong. I'm I, I it's I like what they've done with the offense. I know that they they just sucked last week, and but the passing yards are still there. But I mean, they just are a team that just function their functionality running the football is just completely non-existent. And if they're not going to throw to him, uh, I I am lacking the upside uh, for him. I'll tell you a guy I'd buy high on is Kenny Galladay. If anyone wants to sell him high, I'll buy high on Kenny Galladay. Dude, Stafford's playing really well. He had a broken back last year. Uh, you know, he's played he, – he, even in a tougher, slower-paced game, he averaged over eight eight yards per pass attempt last week. Uh, you know, Kenny G gets the Eagles this week. Uh, I mean – Yum, yum. 
he's he's still man he's he's ranked way too low in the industry he's like an industry ranked like around the wide receiver 20 again uh he should be right on the fringe wide receiver one play just about every week in june i believe reeves and i sat at a sheriff's in the hotel bar in the wee hours in the morning how big time are you guys man oh man and it's a shared calm down and uh and it came back to him's best ball app and he was like okay do i go joe mixon or odell beckham and i was like come on it's joe mixon obviously and uh how's that looking now for us reeves dude i'm heart of darkness it's really funny because you mentioned joe i mentioned i was trying to buy george kittle it's because i'm trying to sell joe mixon for george kittle in a lot of my leagues and that's um also not it's not even a lot it's just my biggest league i'm trying to dump joe mixon for basically anybody so if you're how if, about josh jacobs already ruining his sell high moment he already ruined it for us we can't even sell him high now i, I tweeted like, after week one and i got yelled at and it's like no guys come on come on everybody loves them some josh jacobs ah reeves it's been good to have you back man Should you tell everybody where you're at what you've been doing yeah, I'm over at Sharp Football now. I know uh, not everyone has found that through two weeks of the season, but you know, tech, check out Sharp Football Analysis. We revamped the site, got a lot of things on there for sports betting props, and I'm doing all the fantasy side myself. And just to circle back to what I threw out at the beginning of the show, if you want to use the promo code SHARP25, you can get 25% off uh, anything you want to sign up for, whether it be a week pass, monthly pass, season long for betting props, my own fantasy stuff. Uh, go and check that out. Yeah, definitely be checking that out. It is one of the very few sites that I use for research. John, where can everybody find you, man? We can go to Roto World to find me and the rest of the crew on Sunday mornings, especially. First, you can go and get the Roto World podcast on iTunes. That's easiest. You can do that from your couch right now. Uh, we come out every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, I believe. And then Sunday morning, we have a show, noon to noon 50. Uh, feel free to tune in on Twitch, YouTube, and NBC Sports, where Josh Norris and a rotating cast of the crew. Just come on in and answer all your start and sit questions for free, too. There you go. And, of course, you can find me right here Sunday morning. I'm on for the morning wood with Hoop and Big T. We know we all love you, having. We love you guys being here. But we got to get out of here right now. We got to make way for Britt Devine and Daniel Kelly. The Pro Football Focus Show is up next. Make sure you stay tuned for that. want to thank John and Rich for joining me. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you all later. Peace. 